happy, no, Merry Pentecost. Is that what you said, Andy? <laughs> Merry Pentecost to everyone. Uh, so I'm going to share my screen here. Let's see if this works. Okay. There we go. Everyone can see that? Give me a thumbs up. Perfect. So how's everyone doing? I know you keep, you're all on mute, but is everyone feeling okay? It's been a weird time. We've, we've had our ups and downs during this COVID time, I know as a family, and, and I'm, a lot of people are handling this situation a lot differently than each other. Some people are really enjoying the time they have to get to spend with family, and other people are really finding this a time of high anxiety. Uh, so we really, as leadership of Trinity, we really just want you all to feel loved and supported. And if you guys ever need to talk or need anything, please reach out to us uh, just to say hi. And, and um, yeah, so uh, yeah, this morning I'm going to be speaking about Pentecost. And I actually believe that Pentecost is quite significant for us today especially where we are in this cultural moment of, of COVID-19. So I don't know if many of you know, but I grew up in the Pentecostal church. So uh, I wouldn't say I had the full-blown Pentecostal experience. Uh, our church wasn't extremely charismatic. There was no one swinging from chandeliers or anything like that. Uh, but Pentecost and the work of the Holy Spirit were, was always something that was at the forefront of my theology growing up. So uh, just reflecting on my experience in that movement, uh, there was a few things that I, that I wrestled with and, and struggled with. I remember there was a few times I went to conventions, Pentecostal conventions, and a lot of times pastors were more excited about people uh, receiving the gift of tongues than they were about helping people grow in their love for Christ. And so I kind of struggled with that. There was, I remember there was other times when pastors were, would do kind of weird things. Like one guy would kind of push people over as, as he was praying for them. And, and I also felt weird about that. Also, when I was younger, didn't experience any of, the, any of these cool charismatic gifts like prophecy and tongues. And, and so when you're younger, you, you, you feel kind of inadequate when people around you are experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and you're sitting there thinking, what, why am I not experiencing this? So today, as we speak about the Holy Spirit and about Pentecost, I really want to be extremely careful uh, as we open the open up the conversation about the gifts of the Spirit. I it's quite easy for Satan to make us feel inadequate, or to go in the opposite direction and make us feel prideful in our spiritual giftings. So if you come away from this talk feeling either inadequate or prideful, then I have failed. But at the same time. I want to be cautious, but at the same time, I really want us to be challenged by the scriptures. Uh, our culture really shies away from a lot of the miraculous spiritual stuff in scripture, but it's totally in there. This, the Bible is a book about the spirit. Like spirit is such a significant part of New Testament Christianity. And so when we read about these stories of Pentecost and about God moving miraculously in the New Testament, if you've never experienced things like this, it's easy to explain them away and say, uh, maybe God was at work more in the first century than he was than he is today, or maybe he works differently today. Um, but 
there's nothing really in scripture that indicates there's going to be a change in the way that God moves. So I, I really want us to take an honest look at scripture and allow scripture to shape us. And I think we need to look critically at ourselves and ask ourselves, do we really believe that the spirit can work through us the way he did through the early church? And ultimately, it's my desire that we all develop a, a deep thirst for the spirit and a deep thirst for more of Christ. Uh, so that's kind of my thesis today. So you, you can all go home now. But oh, you're already home. So we're all good. <laughs> so let's start out by reading the, the typical Pentecost passage in Acts 2. So here in Acts, this is after Jesus has ascended uh, to heaven. And he tells his disciples to go and wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. And so the disciples are in Jerusalem for 10 days. And then on the day of Pentecost, this, this happens. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And that first verse has never stood out to me before. But during COVID, this is, this is really a, a verse that I was like, oh, wow, they're all together. I missed that. <laughs> and it says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Uh, when we look at old, a lot of Old Testament depictions of God, a lot of times they, they have wind and fire. So these are images of a divine experience. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues and languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When the sound, when the crowd, sorry, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? However, some made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. I love Peter's response to that. He says, it's only nine in the morning. <laughs> we haven't had too much wine. Uh, what a cool moment. The disciples are gathered together, and then all of a sudden the Spirit comes in power, empowers them. And they receive a gift where they're able to share the gospel with people who don't even speak the same language as them. So there's a number of things going on in this passage. So, but for a minute, let's just step back and take a look at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament so we kind of understand the context of, of the work of the Spirit. So, I find oftentimes when we speak about the Holy Spirit, we, we often think just about the New Testament. But God is actually quite, or the Holy Spirit's actually quite present in the Old Testament as well. One quick example is in Numbers 11, verse 24 to 25. And here... Uh, Israel Israel's in the wilderness still and Moses has kind of been overwhelmed with a lot of work there's a lot of people bringing their issues to him so his father-in-law and God says bring me 70 elders and 
so that God can place his spirit on them. So in, in verse 24, it says, So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him. And he took some of the power of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. So when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. So there's a number of other stories like this in the Old Testament where God places his spirit on a person and they receive a special gifting or a special insight. A lot of times it's the gift of prophecy, but there's other examples of people receiving the spirit and they have the gift of wisdom or discernment or even the gift of craftsmanship or artistry to build the tabernacle. And that was one example. So as we move to the New Testament, we see God again pouring out his spirit, but there's, there's some similarities to the Old Testament and there's some differences. So in the Old Testament, uh, God's spirit only rested on Israel, on the Israelites, his chosen people. And it, all, it also only seemed to rest on a small number of people, like prophets or kings or, or artists or craftsmen, like I was saying before. But here in Acts, in, in this passage, we see God pouring out his spirit in a new way on anyone who is willing to trust in Jesus. And, and this is also a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. In, in Joel, it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. So notice in this Acts passage that God, he first opens up the gospel to the Jews. We hear Paul talk about this later in the scriptures, but but. Uh, the Jews had a long history of being God's people. And the long story of the Old Testament is, is that the Jews were continually disobedient and God just longed for them to be in his presence. But they were continually disobedient. So God sent them into exile. And then here in Acts, again, God offers them an opportunity to be with him and to experience his presence. And But this time it's not based kind of on the old covenant or on their behavior. It's based on what Jesus Christ has done. All they have to do is just trust in Jesus. And then after this, you see, if we, when you read on in Acts, you see that the spirit begins to fall on the Gentiles too. It doesn't just fall on Israelites. They are welcome into God's kingdom. Everyone is welcome. So when we read this story, we may ask, what, so what actually really happens when we receive the spirit? What, what's like physically happening? What, what are the things that, that go on when we receive the spirit? So the first thing is that God's presence dwells in us. This is quite a weird and strange and crazy, cool concept. We don't often think about it. We, we use the language a lot, but this is a very powerful concept. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17, Paul says, Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Do you think about your relationship to God in this way? Do you think I am one with Christ in my spirit? Remember in the Old Testament when God was present in the tabernacle and then his presence moved to the temple. We, our bodies, are many temples of the Holy Spirit. That's a very crazy, powerful concept. So the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us and we're able to commune with God in a deeply personal way. The next thing is that God brings us into the family business. And what that really is, is just spreading the kingdom. 
sometimes when we think about spreading the kingdom or sharing the gospel, we kind of just think about uh, sharing, talking, saying some good things about Jesus. But this is a much more heavy concept of, of spreading the kingdom. Uh, it's not just about saying nice things about Jesus. This is about advancing the kingdom and the reign of God on earth. In a way, it's spiritual warfare. So we're, we're no longer in bondage to fear or into sin or, or uh, into evil. We are, we are made children of God. And we're called to the family business. We are called to enlarge the, the family of God. And notice that the gifts of tongues here in Acts was used. It had a very clear missional purpose in this situation. Uh, it was so that the gospel would spread to those who are from different nations. The next thing is that God gives us a unique supernatural gifting. Almost every example we see in the Bible of the spirit being poured out, there is a gifting that comes along with that. And uh, some people call this spirit baptism or uh, Paul talks about it as, as the gifts of the spirit. And sometimes this happens right away, some upon conversion. Sometimes this happens a little later in our journey. Sometimes it happens through the laying on of hands. Sometimes it kind of happens spontaneously. Uh, sometimes it's one strong gift or sometimes it's many gifts. The spirit really does what the spirit wants to do. And the more we try to like qualify the spirit and put him in a box, it just doesn't work. The, the Holy Spirit pours out his spirit according to his will, according to God's will. And uh, I remember hearing an interesting image in, in Celtic theology they actually speak about the Holy Spirit as a wild goose. It's kind of a funny image, but, but geese kind of do their own thing. They can't be tamed. They kind of are unpredictable. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is up to God. It's God's will. It's, it's, we can't put him in a box. So I, that was kind of a funny image. Take it or leave it if you, <laughs> if you don't like it. But um, yeah, so when we speak about spiritual gifts, uh, obviously, these aren't like physical things. It's, it's not like when you order something on Amazon, like many of us have probably been doing. Uh, sometimes we talk about our stuff as, as gifts from God. But, but here in the, in the Bible, it often talks about spiritual gifts as empowerments. And so in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, he kind of has a list here. There's a few different lists in the New Testament. But here he says, some of the gifts are wisdom. Uh, to another, God gives a message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to another, still, the interpretation of tongues. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, that's a very heavy daunting list <laughs> miraculous powers healing uh, this is challenging this is very challenging scripture um, and i really think it should challenge us i think when we read this we should we should ask ourselves the question why are we not seeing more of this in the church we don't have to do it from a spirit of criticism but allow god to speak through us through the scriptures and say this this is an expectation for christians why is this not happening when I was younger, I used, to, I used to read this list and I'd kind of go into my room and pray and 
I, w- I was hoping that God would kind of zap me with a prophetic gift or kind of zap me with the gift of healing, that it would just be like a lightning bolt that came down and all of a sudden I have this miraculous gift. And so I'd go in my room and pray for a minute pretty strongly and nothing would happen. And then I would just kind of give up, and feel disheartened. But it's so interesting when Jesus talks about the spiritual gifts in the New Testament, he actually tells us to be persistent in asking for them. Uh, He says, if you remember the verse, ask, seek, knock, that's in reference to gifts from God. And it's interesting that he says it in three different ways, ask, seek, knock. It's like, be persistent. Um, Ask God for these gifts because God actually longs to give them to you. In another verse, Paul tells us to, to zealously desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, he says. Have you ever given someone a gift and and you could tell they just didn't like it. If you say you like go to a friend's birthday party and you buy them a sweater and they open it up and they're thinking, oh, thank you. And you see them kind of quickly throw it on the ground. I don't think God is gonna give us a gift if we don't want it. God knows our hearts, he knows our desires and he's a good father. If, he, if we're not like really longing for the gifts of his spirit, I, I'm not sure he's gonna give them to us. He may. Obviously, God can do what he wants, but, but God wants us to want more of his spirit. And the last thing, uh, sorry, the last thing here, oh, I'm lost. There we go. The last thing that happens when we receive the spirit, the Holy Spirit, is that God helps us grow in love and in character. Ultimately, this is the, the main aim. God's ultimate aim is love. And yeah, to grow more in love with God and to grow more in love with each other. Uh, this is kind of when we speak about spiritual warfare and all these, these heavy topics, this, the kingdom we are spreading is one of love. We are battling to bring about a kingdom of love in the world. A kingdom that's rich in love, rich in forgiveness, uh, rich in peace. This is, this is ultimately the end goal of spiritual empowerment. If we get lots of gifts of the Spirit, but we don't have love, then we are nothing. I remember hearing a story about a, a man named Smith Wigglesworth. I don't know if any of you know him, but, but he was a, a pretty, he was very gifted in the gifts of the Spirit, a very powerful man. And I remember hearing he was pray- a story that he was praying with a man who had, I think it was stomach cancer. And all of a sudden when they were praying, Smith Wigglesworth just punched the man in the stomach. And, <laughs> and obviously the man fell to the ground. And, but when the man got up, he was healed. And it was a very crazy, weird experience. But, but Smith kind of said, uh, when I was praying, I saw the evil that was behind this disease. So that's why I punched the man. But I know there may be people in your life that you want to pray for like this, but this is not a good way to pray for people. Uh, this is not, you, you don't see Christ going and punching people for healing. Even if, it, even if it actually has the effect of healing the person, our gifts must be exercised with, with love and with the character and spirit of Christ. That's so important. Uh, we, can, we, can have, we can be very, very gifted in many spiritual ways and not have love and not use the gifts in a loving way. So that's, that's really very important for us. So what does all of this mean for us today? 
talked about a little bit about Acts, the gifts in the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Uh, this means for us today that we're still able to experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit, even the miraculous ones, even the crazy ones. Some of mine and Julie's most significant spiritual moments have actually been in that small prayer, prayer portable beside Trinity. Very powerful moments. When we first came to prayer nights, we had a few people prophesy some very specific things about our lives. And it was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, we came away from a lot of those prayer nights with very clear direction. And more importantly, we came away really knowing that God actually cared about us personally. So it was very powerful. We need the gifts of the Spirit to function well as a body. We need God to guide us, not just by teaching. We have a lot of teachers in the church today, but we need prophecy. We need healing. We need all of the things that God will give, God is willing to give to us. So long as our end pursuit is love and not just to feel powerful or, or things like that. And so long as our end, end pursuit is love and our end pursuit is to bring glory to Christ. So if you're at that place right now where you want more of the spirit, where you really thirst for more of the spirit, here's just a few thoughts, a few suggestions. They're not rules or anything, but just thoughts of how we can pursue the Spirit together. The first is pretty obvious. Trust in Jesus. Trust in the Bible. Uh, it sounds obvious, but it's actually quite easy for us to read parts of Scripture and kind of ignore them or say, oh, well, the, the, the apostles were more powerful, so that was kind of their thing. We need to trust in Jesus and trust that God wants to gift us with his Holy Spirit with the power of his spirit. The next thing is very important to be honest about where you are in your spiritual journey. Even though I grew up Pentecostal, I grew up in, in the charismatic church. I'm still very young on my journey with the spirit. Um, if you're in a place where you're not even sure of all this, uh, you, or if you're in a place where you're gift, you think you're gifted in a certain way, but you're not really sure uh, just be open about it. It's so important that we be open about our spiritual journeys with each other. If you maybe like spoke in tongues one time and you're not sure if that was actually God or if it was just you, talk about it. There's a good chance that other people are wrestling through similar spiritual journeys that you are. And the church really has to be a safe place for these discussions. We cannot have a spirit of judgment towards each other as we pursue the spiritual gifts. The next thing is pursue God with others. As we saw in Acts, the disciples were all together. Right now, it feels like we're distant, but we are all together on Zoom. Uh, God created us to be community, to live in community with each other. That's the church's role. It's very hard to be done on your own. Uh, we're all different and we're all unique. We all bring something important to the table. We all get a piece of the puzzle. Um, if we were all a body of feet, that would look kind of weird. A, a body made just of feet, that would look very weird. So God gives us all unique gifts, and we're all different members of the body. And the, the next thing is to ask, seek, and knock for the gifts of the Spirit. To be persistent in your desire to experience more of Christ. To sense that, that deep thirst for Christ. 
And the next thing is to wait on the spirit. This doesn't necessarily mean just kind of sitting there like I did in my room and, and waiting for God to, to zap me with the gifts of the spirit, but, but wait in expectation that God wants to pour out his spirit in your life. So in conclusion, I want to ask you, are you feeling a deep thirst for Jesus? Have you been waiting for something more from God? Are you, do you read these scripture passages and you, you have a longing for that kind of spiritual gift, a longing for Jesus, for a deep intimacy with him? I truly believe that God wants to fill that thirst, if that's something that you are feeling. Jesus says, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will, will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Here he's speaking about the Spirit. And again, he says somewhere else, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So this morning, I want to spend a few moments just in prayer together. And I want to open up the space for the Spirit. So the way we're going to do this is that uh, you are all able to unmute your mics. So we're going to have a time of prayer where I'll start out praying, and then I'm going to stop. And if anyone else feels led to pray, just pray where the Spirit's guiding you to pray. And just make sure you unmute your microphone before doing that. <laughs> or else it just looks like you're just mouthing the words.